guys would start talking about the set list or like when we get there we have to load in to blah 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 and I was like oh yeah like this is happening they're opening winter sleep is opening for Pearl Jam for two nights in St. John's Newfoundland welcome to the Pearl Jam stories I'm your host Matt Charlton I've always been fascinated with the culture around the band Pearl Jam fans travel all over the world to see this group and you can really understand why the setlist for every show is totally unique. And fans have created a community that spans from online message boards into the parking lots after shows are finished. So I decided to start documenting some of these stories. I reached out to people on Reddit through 10 Club, just chatting with total strangers about their experiences seeing Pearl Jam live. But the story we're going to start with isn't about strangers, it's actually about two old friends of mine. Growing up in the east coast of Canada, it was pretty rare that big bands ever came to town. Then in 2005, we got word that Pearl Jam was actually coming to play Halifax at the Metro Center and two shows in St. John's at the Mile One Center. Well, I was excited that Slater Kinney was going to open up the Halifax show. I was totally blown away that my friend's band, Winter Sleep, were getting the chance to open up both of the St. John's dates. One of my best pals, Janesta Boudreau, was tagging along for the ride as she had been working with the band lately. Here's how the following events unfolded as told by Janesta and Winter Sleep's drummer, Lowell Campbell. When I got to work that day, I was going to see Pearl Jam that night in Halifax, which was amazing. By the end of that day, I was walking home, had to stop at the drugstore, get like, I don't know, travel soap and stuff, because I knew that I was going to jump in the van with the winter sleep guys that night after the Halifax show to go to Newfoundland. So that day was like, it started off really good and it ended phenomenally well. Sleater Kenny was, was on that I was on that tour and for some reason, maybe there was a sickness in the band. They couldn't do Newfoundland and that, and we got, so we got a call like last minute. We literally found out like, I think, I forget the shows might've been on like a Sunday or Monday, Sunday, Monday or something like that. I think we found out on the Wednesday and basically had to get in the van right away. Cause we couldn't, we couldn't afford to fly, you know? So we got in the van, took the ferry over, drove across the, and basically got there the night before and, uh, you know, it was such a such a whirlwind. So I got home from the Halifax show. I remember being in the van, picking up the rest of the guys and just thinking like, because I was still buzzing from the Halifax show. Got up and drove to the ferry in um, Cape Breton. And then the ferry was like 10 hours. And then you get to Port Basque. And then it was, I don't know what, a 10 hour drive to St. John's from there. Land at Judd's house. By the time we were there, everyone passed out again. So it was like a foggy couple days, and then we woke up on a nice day in Newfoundland. We were, I mean, we loaded in for sound check, and, you know, I mean, I think we were all excited, running on adrenaline even before the show, kind of like, you know, because they were probably my absolute favorite band from, like, Versus, Mythology, No Code, yield i was always kind of like on board and you know i had like their singles and like you know i was just like kind of fanatical about a about a you know really kind of really i had a strong connection for them so i like yeah like going in there i was obviously like whoa like like when am i like you know like am i i was like kind of like looking around every corner uh 
like, where's, 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 uh, you know, oh, that's, is that Jeff? Wintersleep had their sound check and Eddie came up later. He like met, I was with Lowell in the hallway. Um, I don't remember who else was around, but he stopped Lowell and he was like, Hey, uh, yeah, that was really great. You're drumming like that. That was really great. You, you remind me of, uh, uh, and he was thinking for a minute and then he goes, you know, Led Zepp, uh, John Bonham. And Lowell was like, Oh, thanks, man. And I was just like, <laughs> that's crazy. Eddie better just told you, you remind him of John Bonham. That's nuts. And like, if I was 24, God, Lowell would have been, what, 20? Maybe. Like, he's younger than I am. So I remember him being like, thanks, man. Thanks. And Eddie's like, cool. And he walked away. We got back into um, the winter sleep dressing room and I fell to my knees because I was just like, that was that guy. That was that guy. That was that was fucking Eddie Vedder. He just stopped and talked to my friend and I was speechless. And then I fell to my knees and I was like, that was crazy. And then after that, it was cool. Eddie was definitely side stage when when we finished so and he was like immediately giving us feedback on the set he was like he thought we sounded like uh pink floyd live, live at pompeii he was like at that area and i could get that like there was kind of some of the uh we were definitely playing more like expansive jammy stuff with that set. so it was there was like a really like informed kind of like thoughtful um uh you know kind of reflection of what we were doing at the time they couldn't have been kinder. It was um, a good show. And I remember them saying, you can come out and watch from the front if you want. And so we did. There was this little riser. The soundboard was in the back. And then there was this little riser in the middle that was all fenced off. And we got drinks and sat on that just in our own little sea of flat calm in the middle of this amazing crowd. And my biggest memory from that night was, I don't know where everyone else went, but I was sat alone in this space in the middle of mile one stadium, which was packed, 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 packed full and black came on and it was cool. And it was like moving. And then the end of black when everyone's like, do, 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 do. And they had lighters back then, not just phones, but lighters. And everyone had their lighters up and everyone was doing that part. And I had no one near me, but I was in the middle of everything. And it, it is ingrained in my soul. Like it was one of my favorite moments of my entire life.
just like the candles, it was like a campfire, like a sing-along. After the show, uh, we were all in the back and people who came with us, sort of like Lowell's girlfriend at the time and a couple other people um, made it backstage and we were all just sitting there and we were running out of beer. We had Sleater Kenny's rider and obviously just, it was gone uh, <laughs> immediately. So like Eddie's like sneaking us beers in like to our, to our dressing room, like in a towel. I still have that towel somewhere. I stole it. because so I was just like, this is the best thing ever. Um, but I remember him saying to Paul, uh, hey, uh, do you know Keep On Rockin' in a Free World? And Paul's like, yeah. And he's like, cool, come up, come up tomorrow night and, and uh, we'll get you on, on, on for the encore. You can sing it with me. And Paul's like, okay. And then when he left the room, I was just like, <gasps> oh my God, this is going to happen. Like, this is going to happen. We were talking about that and loading out for the night into the old van. And Stone Gossard comes up. He was like, hey guys, that was a really good show. Um, you know, we rented out a bowling alley if you if you guys want to come bowling with us after. Of course, it was probably Judd. He's like, oh yeah, man, we'll see what we're doing. Yeah, that's, that's probably probably could, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like trying to be all cool. So he was never a huge fan until after. And so Stone left and like jumped in his ride. And I was like, the other guys were coming out. And I just remember going, get in the van, get in the van. And they're like, what's wrong? I was like, get in the fucking van. <laughs> And so we like jumped in the van and, and followed them. Uh, and we get to this bowling alley and only Pearl Jam and their entourage was there and they let us in and our people and we bowled with them. We all got paired up with different people from the, so I, I bowled, me and Stone bowled against each other. Uh, I I won, big time, like, like, a lot like it was uh, maybe it was because it was like maritime style the small bowls i don't you know the, the small balls you know like 10 pin or whatever uh 
maybe that was a bit of a handicap for Stone, but uh, the only, I think Matt wasn't there playing. But um, everybody else was, there, so we were all paired up against somebody. We had a pizza party afterwards. <laughs> the four selfies were called selfies. I used to do them with, with my camera. And I asked Eddie if he would take one. And he said, yeah, of course. So he did. And uh, I look awful in it because I'm at one at once trying to look cool, but completely dumbfounded and starstruck and in awe and freaking out and exhausted all at the same time. So I looked at the photo after as a digital camera and I was like, oh man, I look awful. And then he's like, I look good though. Judd was still in the band at that point. And, uh, and, and somehow, and he gave us his number at some point and called Judd's parents house. We were all staying at Judd's parents house on Torbay and Eddie called us in the morning because he wanted to go surfing. So we were in the van, just got in, and Judd's dad comes running out with the portable phone. Like no, not a cell phone, but like the portable phone from the house. And he was like, yeah, okay, thanks. Uh, here he is, big fan by the way, and he passes it to Lowell, I mean Judd, and I was sitting shotgun, and the guys are in the back, and I'm next to Judd who was driving, and I hear him go, yeah, yeah, well, you know, we have to go find these drumsticks, so, oh no, yeah, no, that sounds good, okay, we'll see you at the venue, bye. And he hung up, and I looked at him, and I was like, what the fuck did you just do? And he's like, well, we don't have time to get sticks and like go for sound check and, you know, go to Cape Spear with Pearl Jam. And I was like, I hate you. So, yeah, so we got to the venue that night. Ed comes in and he writes down lyrics for the second verse of Keep On Rockin' in the Free World, in the Free World, and um, gave them to Paul. And Paul was like practicing them. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like you're going to be on stage. The second night, they also took two of my requests. They just like, I asked them to play, I got id or I got an ID, like a, uh, the B-side off Merkin ball or mirror ball. And they were like, yeah, okay. And they haven't played it in years. And like, and then they fucking played it. And Tremor Christ they played too, which was like, so it was just like, just, like it was unreal. Like I, I don't know. I even like being in a in the band that I'm in. It's just like that would never happen. <laughs>
energy up there was incredible. It's just like, just being in the audience at a Pearl Jam show is one thing. Feeling the audience from there is total fucking different worlds. It was just insane. Like the, the energy is, is like nothing I've ever felt ever again. The whole thing was just this throbbing kind of like, you know, the, you know, just their chemistry. It's almost like, it's almost like, you know, like their cellist, it just seems like, you know, they just drift in and out of songs like so seamlessly. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just the whole thing was just like, I was just blown away getting to watch them side stage and so many songs, like, you know, just hearing uh, go or whatever, you know, like, like, it was just, you know, they played it like so much faster than the record. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. Like, it was just like, I was just like, how are they playing this so fast? And that was awesome. You just felt like you were going to explode, you know, just like the joy of the joy of it all, you know, you know how happy it's making everybody in that place.
but yeah, they were, so they fully intended on calling the guys up to do the encore. And I remember at some point I was like, I can't believe you guys are going on Pearl, on stage with Pearl Jam. And one of them, maybe Judd, and maybe because I'd been so pissed off at him all day, I was like, I'm not going up there without you. Like, you, you're the biggest fan. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, not being humble. I'm not in that band. <laughs> I was there because I was a super fan and I could get in because they were not even managed yet by the company I worked for, but the guy that I worked for, well, Louie got them the gig. So I was just there. Like I had no other reason to be there. And, um, Mike Wilson also, he, he came as the guitar tech for, uh, for Tim. So we were like, yeah, we're going too. And they're like, yeah, why not? So, I was so scared that they weren't going to let me on stage that Eddie, and I learned this from the Halifax show, he passes uh, tambourines out to the guest whatevers and they all like jump around and play the tambourine. But I brought my own. I got one of the tambourines from the winter sleep kit and I brought my own fucking tambourine on stage and just went up there. (laughs) So when they were like, ladies and gentlemen, winter sleep, whatever they said, I just walked out like I belonged in that band. And I fucking played on stage with Pearl Jam. And uh, while we're sharing the stage, we'd like to invite uh, the band who started the evening off, Winter Sleep, to come join us. Share the stage with us. From Halifax.
Good luck. Hey, good luck to all the surfers out here. I hear the waves are coming. Be safe. Get one for me. We'll see you next time. Love you. Thank you. Well, yeah, that second night, you know, playing Rock in the Free World, and that with uh, Paul got to take a verse of it, and Tim took a solo, and like, you know, had all the tambourines flying around and that, and uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was it was awesome, man. Right. Hopefully, I'll get to do it again. So that was the best moment in my whole entire life. It was unbelievable, and the crowd—it was just everything. 
like I know why people do that for a living now. And it was weird because when it was over, they had to leave right away. So there was no like, hey guys, thanks for that experience or it was really nice to meet you or whatever. They were just fucking gone. And I got off stage and I was shaking so badly, um, like shock and adrenaline all at once, I guess. I ran to the phone and I called my mom. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do with myself that I called my mom and I was like, you'll never guess what happened because I was such that kid who just played loud grunge music all the time. And like, it was the best moment ever, but they were so gracious and so kind. And they even, but the kid with their own tambourine just come up and play. <laughs> it was awesome. And that's it for this week's episode of the Pearl Jam Stories. We'll be back next week to talk about home shows that took place in Seattle at Safeco Field in August of 2018. Take care. See you soon.